This morning, if you have a copy of God's Word, look with us to the book of Psalms. Book of Psalms, chapter 100. This morning, I'm going to read not only from the New American Standard, then I'm going to read again from the King James Version, because this is one of those psalms that's so beautiful. It's like the 23rd Psalm. You almost have to do it in the King James. And by the way, I, I was not surprised there was snow on the ground yesterday. Bama lost two games this season, so something was bound to freeze over. <laughs> so I wasn't surprised. Book of Psalms, chapter 100, found in the middle of the Bible. Again, I want to read the New American Standard first, and I want to read the King James. Verse 1, shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. And his faithfulness to all generations. Now again, in the King James Version. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and to his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Pray with me. Our Father, today as we open your word, Father, as we look at this text, help us that we will understand this valuable lesson that we need to follow, this valuable command that we need to follow, that, Father, we will be thankful. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In a few weeks, we'll be celebrating Thanksgiving, and by the way, what a surprise, there is a turkey shortage in the U.S., especially big turkeys. Now, there's a joke there. I'm not even going. And by the way, if you do find turkeys, the prices are up 28% from last year. That's not including the 35% increase in the last five years. Every year in the United States at Thanksgiving, about 46 million turkeys are killed. The average weight is about 16 pounds. Now, there are some other numbers I think you just need to be aware of when it comes to Thanksgiving. The first number is 4,500. That is the number of calories the average person will eat on Thanksgiving. You'll eat about 1,500 throughout the day. You'll eat 10% of that before you ever eat your turkey. Another number you need to know about, 10 hours and 41 minutes. That's the amount of time you need to exercise to burn 4,500 calories. So all you have to do is once you finish Thanksgiving meal, you need to run until the next morning. You call it a wash. Here's another amazing fact of Thanksgiving. This is a nationwide poll. The 10 favorite foods for Thanksgiving. The 10 favorite foods across America. Number 10, turkey. Why, why is this not one or two? It's number 10. Number nine, cranberry sauce. 
Number eight, sweet potatoes. Number seven, green bean casserole. Number six, pumpkin pie. That makes sense. Number five, roll. Number four, gravy. Just gravy. Just as a category in of itself, apparently. Number three, mashed potatoes. Number two, favorite food of Thanksgiving nationwide, mac and cheese. I mean, have you ever heard anyone say, I can't wait to Thanksgiving so I can get mac and cheese? <laughs> the number one food, I, I, get, I, I knew this one, is dressing. Thanksgiving is an incredible holiday. Let me give you one last trivia of Thanksgiving. The song Jingle Bells, written by James Lord Pierpont, was supposed to be a Thanksgiving song. He wrote it in 1857. It was originally called One Horse Open Sleigh. But there are no songs for Thanksgiving. There's none. And so in 1859, they changed the name to Jingle Bells and started singing at Christmas. And now you know the rest of the story. Thanksgiving. We celebrate it once a year. But according to the word of God, it's something we are to do constantly. The Bible speaks a lot about thanksgiving. The Bible contains, for example, in the book of Psalms alone, there are 35 direct references to giving thanks to God. 18 times in the letter of the apostle Paul, he tells us we are to thank God. 10 times, he expressing thanks to God. There are 140 direct references in the Bible giving thanks to God. For example, in 1 Chronicles, it says, acknowledge what is right about God in praise and thanksgiving. So here's what we know. Being thankful to God is not minor to God. It is important to him, but it's also important to us. Because what Christians have known for thousands of years, now modern psychology is, is saying the same thing. Modern psychology is reporting that you need to learn to express gratitude in order to have well-being. For example, Dr. Robert Emmons, who's the leading authority on gratitude, he's a professor at the University of California, he says that if you improve your gratitude, it will improve your mental, physical, and relational well-being. When you have a good sense of gratitude, when you are thankful, it'll help you recover from illnesses faster. It'll help you come overcome stress faster. With gratitude, our bodies get better, our minds get better, and our relationships get better. This is what psychology is telling us, but the, God, the Word of God has been telling us this for years. And so the Apostle Paul, the book of Colossians, chapter 2, verse 7, writes, having been firmly rooted and now being built in him, established in your faith, just as you were instructed and over flowing with gratitude. Some translation says abounding in thanksgiving. So if you are a believer, you're to be more than just being thankful. The Bible says you are to abound in being thankful. So the question is, how? How can we be thankful? How can we have this gratitude? In the book of Psalms, chapter 100, this is a song that will be sung as you enter into the temple to approach God. By the way, out of the 150 Psalms in the Bible, this is the only one that carries the title of Thanksgiving. 
We, we see that at the very top, it says Psalm 100, a psalm for thanksgiving. Of all the psalms, and all the psalms are thanking God, this is the only one dedicated to being thankful. And the psalmist tells us how we can increase our thankfulness. So let's look at it this morning. First of all, we need to express verbally your thanksgiving. Express verbally your thanksgiving. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth, or make a joyful noise to the Lord. Make a joyful noise. By the way, that's the non-singer's favorite verse in the Bible, Mark. We love that verse. Make a joyful noise. It doesn't say you have to be on pitch. Just make a noise. By the way, that word noise found throughout the Bible, you know what it means? It's the same word used when they would make an attack to the enemy. When they rush into battle against the enemy, they would make this noise. It was a shout of victory. It was verbal. It was a sign of joy because they were serving God. They were fighting for God. It's the same word when Israel would celebrate. Whenever they had a celebration, that was the word. They made a noise to the Lord. When there was victory, they celebrated. The pattern is very simple. Shout, vocal, express it. In the context of victory. So the Bible says, if you're going to be thankful, you need to express verbally to God your thanksgiving. Now, according to the Talmud, and the Talmud was was just a commentary of the Old Testament. So in the old days, they had the Old Testament, and the rabbis would look at the Old Testament, and they would write a commentary explaining it, and it's called the Talmud, okay? It said in the Talmud, a man who, man embezzles from God when he makes use of this world without uttering a blessing. Man embezzles from God when he makes use of this world without uttering a blessing. You know what it's saying? If you enjoy anything in this world without thanking God, you have stolen from God. Anything less than gratitude in the spiritual realm is grand larceny. And the observant Jew of this time period, they would pronounce 100 blessings a day. 100 blessings. They got that from a period of history that they gave 100 blessings and God blessed them. And so they said from now on, we're going to give 100 blessings a day. 100 times during the day, they're going to thank God for something. 100 things. And according to the rabbinic tradition, man should taste nothing before he utters a blessing. And that's why we say a blessing before the meal. But they would also say a blessing during the meal if the aroma was good, if the taste was good. The observant Jew would bless God for the new day, a new article of clothing, a new experience. Whenever they experienced anything pleasurable, they would pause and thank God. When was the last time you thanked God for feelings? When was the last time you thanked God for laughter? They wouldn't simply thank God for the rain. One rabbi named Rabbi Judah said we are to give thanks to every raindrop that falls. Now, when you consider there's 90,921 drops of water in a gallon, that's a lot of thanking. But we are to be thankful. The English author, G.K. Chesterton's once stated his ultimate goal in life was to take nothing for granted. Not a sunrise, not a flower, not even a laugh. 
it would change your life if you would start thanking God during the day. Thanking God verbally for all his blessings. Second of all, we are to express joyfully with service. It says in verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness and come before him with joyful singing. Do you want to know how to thank God? Serve him. But serve him with gladness. Serve him with joy. Serve the Lord with gladness. By the way, that word gladness was a word used to describe a couple on their wedding day. It was something they'd been waiting for. This, this was a, a big event for them. We are to serve the Lord with that expectation. The Bible says we are to serve God with joy. Now listen, serving is not something you check off your list. Serving is not trying to earn brownie points from God. Serving is physically saying thank you to God. That's why we are to serve. Anytime you serve, anytime you do something for God, you are saying saying to God, thank you. And it says, serve the Lord with gladness, come before him with joyful singing. So the idea is express joyfully with service. So if your service is boring, if if worship is boring, then you're not doing it right. I mentioned a few weeks ago on Sunday night, we're studying the book of John. The Bible says that if we're not in worship, if it's boring to us, it's not the people's fault on the platform, it's your fault. That's what the Bible teaches. If you are serving and it's boring, it's not the service that's boring, it's your fault. We are to serve the Lord with gladness. Since 2010, there's a conference that's been sold out every year except one time, 2020, and they did it online. It is a conference on boring stuff. It's built as, quote, a one-day celebration of the mundane, the ordinary, the obvious, and the overlooked. The conference aims to address subjects in the words of its founder, uh, James Ward, that may, quote, often be considered trivial and pointless, but when you look at them more closely, they reveal themselves to be actually deeply fascinating. So here's a conference of boring topics And it's sold out. What kind of topics, you may ask? Here are some of the topics in the last few years. Sneezing. A one-hour lecture on sneezing. Sounds made by the vending machine. This is a one-hour lecture. Toast. Actually, I'm hungry right now, so that may be not boring. But toast, barcodes, yellow lines, how we came up with yellow lines. Since 2010, they've been talking about boring topics. Guess what's never been on the list? Serving, worship, God, Jesus. You know why? They're not boring. We thank God by serving. We thank God with joyfully serving him. And if you're not serving, here's a question. What are you doing to serve God? And if you're not doing anything, you need to start because that's how you say thank you. Third, express passionately who God is. Express passionately who God is. Verse 3. 
No, the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Here's a psalmist. He's connecting gratitude with acknowledging who God is. Gratitude and being thankful is when you know enough about God, you're going to be thankful to God. If you really want to have gratitude, learn more about God. That's one of the reasons I spent two and a half months studying the names of God. The more you know about God, you're going to have gratitude. He says, know that the Lord himself is God. By the way, that, that word know in the, in the Hebrew means to know by experience. This is not something you get from a book. This is not something someone tells you. This is something you've learned by experience. Therefore, know by experience the Lord is God. You see, you can learn something from other sources, but when you've experienced it, you know it differently. So for years, I wanted to go hang gliding. I just thought that was fascinating. I love heights. And so I would read books and articles. I would watch YouTube videos on hang gliding. And I could tell you, I know a lot about hang gliding, but I'd never been hang gliding until one day I went hang gliding. And then all of a sudden, for 15 minutes, I was in the air, over you know, thousands, a few thousand feet in the air. Let me tell you, I know hang gliding. Because in a book, they cannot describe to you the silence in hang gliding. There's no way a book can tell you the picture of looking around how high you are. And what I didn't tell the first service, literally, we had a hawk fly beside us. There's a difference in knowing from books and knowing from experience. In Ecuador, we went hiking. We went hiking up a, a, a volcano. I've read about the volcano. I've seen pictures of the volcano. But when you stand on the edge and you look out and see all the villages for miles and miles and miles and miles around, all the different communities, no one can ex explain that to you. You have to experience it. The psalmist says, when you know by experience the Lord himself is God you'll be thankful. So, what, what must we know about God? Well, he tells us in verse 3. First of all, he says we're to know his person. Know the Lord himself is God. You see, the word Lord is all capital letters. Remember what we said a few weeks ago? That means it's the word Jehovah, Yahweh. That means this is the covenant God. You, you, you see the word God? That's Elohim, God of power, the God of creation. So what he's saying is we are to know his person. He is the covenant God. He is the God who loves us. He's the God who will keep his word to us. He is the powerful God. He's the God who created all things. There's only one God. This is this God. There are no other gods out there. We are to know his person. We are to know him because he sent his son Jesus to die for us. Not only are we to know his person, we are to know his power. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. Now, probably... The psalmist is talking about uh, making Israel, the nation of Israel. That's probably what the psalmist is talking about. How God took one man, Abraham, and then from Abraham to a family, to a tribe, and to a nation, and from the nation, the Messiah will come. But we understand there's another meaning here. We did not create ourselves. Man did not crawl out of, randomly out of some primordial slime. We are here because we're a special creation of God. And that means we're not independent of God. We are dependent on God for everything we have, including our existence. He says, you are to know God's person. You are to know God's power. And then he said, we're to know God's purpose. He said, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. In other words, there is a connection between us and God. God made us for a reason, and there's a connection between the sheep and the shepherd. We belong to him, and we have purpose. Purpose. 
And God relates to us in that purpose. God relates to us as a shepherd, and as a shepherd, he provides green pastures. He provides still waters. He provides us protection from the wolves. He guides us through dangerous valley so that we can fulfill our purpose to him. You see, if we know God, and we know his person, his power, and his purpose, we will be grateful. Next, express your gratitude in your attitude. Express your gratitude in your attitude. Look at verse 4. He says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. This verse is talking about attitude. You see, as you're going into the temple, you already have a thankful heart. That's an attitude issue. Before you get there, you're coming in with this attitude. Why? Because it should be there all the time. In fact, the psalm says two things about thanksgiving in that one verse. He said, number one, thankfulness is commanded. He said, come with thanksgiving. You know, over and over the Bible says we are to be thankful. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verse 18, he says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Jesus Christ for you. Later on in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, he says, give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are commanded to give thanks. This is not an option for us. We are commanded. In fact, Paul says, this is the will of God. So if giving thanks is the will of God, not giving thanks means we're out of the will of God. That's what the psalmist is saying. We, we are to have this attitude of gratitude. And the, word, the, the root word thankful is, is based on the word thoughtful. You're thinking what God has done, has done for you. In fact, Paul writes in Romans 1.21, he, he said, there are people, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful. One of the downfalls of mankind is when we're not thankful. It's commanded, but also it's continual. To enter with thanksgiving means you're, you're doing this all the time. It's not something you put on for worship service. It's not something you put on before you enter your house. It's not something you put on before you go, you go to work. This is your attitude all the time. It is your lifestyle. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always, always to God. All times. We are continually to be thankful. And that's, that is an attitude we have. Again, it's not something you just put on. It is your lifestyle. Every single day, every single moment, you are thankful what God has done. But then he gives us something else, something that most people miss. Look at verse 5. We express your thanksgiving to others. Express your thanksgiving to others. Look at the last part of verse 5. And his faithfulness to all generations. The psalmist is talking about coming into God's presence, and then he says, this is for all generations. We are to teach them this thankfulness. By the way, that is why we adopted the mission statement a couple of years ago, exalt Christ, make disciples, and pass the torch. Do you know why we did that? It's biblical. To pass the torch to the next generation. That's what the psalmist is saying here. His faithfulness to all generations. The psalmist says God will be faithful to the next generation. Therefore, we need to help them to understand that. And the only way we can do that is to express our thankfulness to others, that they will hear it. 
they will see our thankfulness to God. Why? Verse 5 again. For the Lord is good. The Lord is good. That means, that means his character. What God does is good. Now, sometimes we don't see it quickly, do we? Sometimes his goodness is evident quickly. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it takes a while to understand the plans of God. Sometimes we won't even see God's plan until heaven. But technically, when somebody's good, that means they share. The idea of, of someone good, they share something. God shares with us. He gives us what we need. God is good. And all of that, his loving kindness, his mercy is everlasting. Again, some translations put the word loving kindness. Some translations put the word mercy. If God's goodness speaks to his character, God's mercy speaks to his nature. Mercy is God's goodness in relation to sinners. By God's mercy, he forgives our sins both now and in the future. Because God's mercy is forever, it has no beginning, it has no end. That means God's love is consistent. We are to be thankful that God's love is consistent. There is nothing, listen, there is nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there is nothing you can do to make him love you less. That's his mercy. We can't even comprehend that, okay? But that's who God is. And the psalmist says we are to express your, our thanksgiving for others, to help others know this. If we don't do this to the next generation, the next generation will not be thankful. And Paul's already said in the book of Romans, what happens to a society when they stop thanking God? The society collapses. Her name was Sarah Hale. Now, you know her, you may not know her name, but she made two big impacts in the world. Sarah Hale made two big impacts in the world. The first was that she, she liked to write nursery rhymes, and she wrote something called Mary Had a Little Lamb. Now you know. Sarah Hale wrote that. But she made another impact also. She had this dream that all Americans would have one day to be thankful to God. So she spent 40 years, four decades, writing letters to congressmen and senators and presidents, writing articles and newspapers and, and any newsletters, wherever she could, to encourage people to have a national day of Thanksgiving. Now, George Washington proclaimed the first nationwide Thanksgiving celebration in 1789. And he did it so that we would thank God for his mercies. But there really was not a national Thanksgiving day. A lot of people celebrated Thanksgiving, but it wasn't a national holiday. And Sarah thought it should be a national holiday. And so she wrote the letters. And finally, a president read it and agreed with her. And in 1863, Abraham Lincoln declared Thanksgiving to be a national holiday. Now, in 1863, we were in the middle of the bloodiest war in American history. And there was a time people didn't even know if America would even survive. And he made the fourth Thursday a national of November a national day of Thanksgiving. It's only been changed one other time. In 1939, FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, he wanted to spur the economy because of the Depression. So he moved Thanksgiving a week earlier. That gave people more time to shop. People hated it. In fact, they started calling it Franksgiving. 
It got so bad in 1941, he brought it back because America said, we want a day of thanksgiving. We don't want to talk about the economy. We don't want to talk about anything else. We just want to thank God. All this took place because a lady named Sarah Hales wanted the next generation to thank God. That's what the psalmist is saying. He said, we're to thank God and we're to pass it on. We're past the torch of thanksgiving. But you can't pass what you don't have. Are you thankful this morning? Are you thankful for what God has done? And maybe some of you are not thankful because, in all honesty, you've never given your life to Christ. You don't really know God. Remember I said you've got to know him by experience? There's only one way to know God by experience, and that is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, his son, because he died for you. Will you give your life to him this morning? By admitting that you're a sinner, saying, God, I cannot save myself. You're right. I am a sinner. I have messed up. And I believe, I believe that Jesus died on that cross 2,000 years ago. I believe he was buried. I believe he arose in the grave. And Lord, I, I confess, I give you everything. I'm holding nothing back. I'm not giving you 99% of my life. I'm giving you 100% of my life. I give you everything. If you're watching by line, if you would like to give your life to Christ, if you would text the word today at 270-398-5005, and a minister will give you a call today. But if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Christ, will you do so today? No hesitation. Don't wait. Just do it and be thankful. Or maybe there's some other decision you need to make, maybe to join this fellowship. Maybe... You're a Christian, but you've never been baptized. And you realize, I need to do that. Whatever decision you need to make, as we begin singing in a few moments and the ministers at the front, just come down and talk to one of us about whatever decision God has laid on your heart. But let's be thankful. Will you stand by your heads? Father, thank you. Father, there's so many things we're to be thankful for that, Father, we just take for granted. Father, thank you for being there for us. Father, when we're hurting, you're there. Father, when we're confused, you're there. Father, when we've sinned, you're there to forgive us. Father, when we're tired and sick, you're there. Father, when we need guidance, you're there. Father, when we need strength, you're there. Father, you've given to us so many blessings from our families to our friends to this church. Forgive us, Father, when we take them for granted. But Father, the most important thing we're thankful for is your son, Jesus Christ, who died on a cross for our sins. He died that we may know you personally. Because now we can come before a holy God. And now we know that we'll have eternal life forever. And Father, if there's anyone here today or watching online who's never made that profession of faith, who's never made that decision, Father, let today be the day. No more hesitation. 
no more delays, no more procrastination. Let today be the day. We pray this, Father, in the most powerful name of all, in the name of the one who died for us, in Jesus' name, amen.